entertainment capital of the world. It's the TC Martin Show. A freshman has won it for the Wolverines. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. TC Martin. Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. Doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us here, middle of the work week, hump day. Can I get a witness? Hump day. That's right, baby. Middle of the work week, working our way towards the weekend. That was a song, by the way, back in the day. You know who did working for the weekend? Lover boy. Very good. Are you? Is that a question? Or no, an no. It was. I was trying to think of who it was. Lover boy. Yeah. There you go. This is lover boy. Yeah. Lover boy never had a beat like this. To the beat that makes you freak. To the break of dawn, saying on and on. To the break of dawn, you say, oh, give me some hot butter and say, what? The popcorn. No. Don't get me going, man. Almost, almost to the weekend. How's my business partner? <laughs> Shout out to Coach. Shout out to the Jandler. Shout out to my business partner. Shout out. Yeah. Baby. Baby. We got to play that one more time. We get, we have to got to play that. Mississippi Valley State breaks their 27 game losing streak. Yeah. How'd that make a terrible Tuesday? How'd that make a terrible Tuesday? Oh, that's why because because of this call at the end of the game, right? That's what I'm talking about. We ain't heard the- and Andre, that's game. And that will be game. And that will be game. And that's now build that first win. should be our our out cue our outro at the end of the show i love it that should just be it right there yeah mississippi valley state uh you know what tells me with those guys number one they're not real professional or very good well here's the thing if you listen carefully the one guy's trying to be professional he's like college night or uh senior night and he just and then the one guy just goes crazy again i think they both went crazy here's what i got out of this i got out of that they don't expect to win games. They don't expect to win. You know, 27 in a row, you lose, and then you win. It's like they were saving all that up for one win. And then what happened? They lose. 
right? They're, they're not going to win another game. What are you doing Saturday, baby? Saturday, baby. I'm going to get my groove on. I'm going to get my Delta Delta Devil gear on and get ready to go to any beanie. They're playing Arkansas Pine Bluff. Oh, geez. Can I get a witness? Saturday, 2.30. Where's it at? Eeny Beanie or on the road? They're in Arkansas. Oh, no. I'm sad. Yeah. Probably going to get another loss. 1-27 right now for the Mississippi Valley. Jerry Rice, how's he doing? All right. Good old Jerry Rice. He was here. Super Bowl. The last great Mississippi Valley State uh, alum. One-game win streak. Mississippi Valley State's got a one-game win streak. Big shout out. Man. <laughs> That's classic stuff. Classic stuff. All right. Today on the show, uh, we're going to talk about college basketball. Big time. And we're going to talk about uh, the surprise team so far this year in college basketball. And that is USF. No, not the Dons that we talk about a lot. But the University of South Florida, the Bulls based in Tampa, Florida, they are in the top 25. They have gone from doormat to, I guess, in the house, top of the conference, and they're looking pretty darn good. Right now, South Florida and the American Athletic, and uh, T.J. Reeves will join us, who uh, covers the USF Bulls. The Bulls. All right, so we'll talk to him about that. So little change up there. We usually talk to TJ regarding the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but we'll talk to him about the Bucks as well, too, because they got some decisions to make here as the NFL scouting combine is happening as we speak in Indianapolis. And what are the Buccaneers going to do in, in regards to Baker Mayfield and uh, other free agents? So we'll talk about that. But, yeah, really want to touch on the South Florida Bulls because that is a team that is really playing well this year. They beat FAU. I went to the Final Four last year. Um, they beat SMU last weekend. This team has won 13 in a row, 14 conference wins already. Yeah, they are the most surprising team in all of college basketball. And everyone likes to talk about Cinderella teams. They got a legitimate shot as a Cinderella story this year. So we'll see what happens. It's still hard for, for me to back this team, but we'll see. I have watched them. They play well. So T.J. Reeves will join us, and we'll talk about the Bulls. Chuck Esposito will join us next hour. Betting from the Sportsbook over there at uh, Red Rock. We'll uh, talk about uh, March Madness, the tournaments coming up, NBA, Golden Knights, and a whole lot more with uh, Chuck Esposito, our uh, good friend and the Race and Sportsbook Director of the Station Casinos uh, Properties, and uh, they are headquartered over at Red Rock over in Summerlin. But let's start. The show talking off about UNLV victorious last night, 75-69. They have now won three in a row, eight of their last nine. Yes, this is a story. Of course, they should go on the road. They should beat Wyoming, who is not a very good basketball team. The Rebels had a lead basically throughout this entire game. Wyoming came back in the final minute and a half, tied the game, forced overtime. And if you're a Rebels fan, you're thinking, oh, man, do not let this one get away. But they went to the overtime session, and UNLV took care of business. Not only did they win, but they covered. Favored by five and a half. They win by six. 75-69. And UNLV 
is 17 and 10. It has been a long time since we could say UNLV is over seven games, over 500 this late in the season as we are in the end of February. They are 10 and 5 in conference. Next up, back at home Saturday night against San Jose State, another very winnable game. So fully expect the Rebels to win this one, 18 and 10, go to 11 and 5. And then you look at the rest of the schedule next week. They'll close out the regular season as they will uh, play next Tuesday, San Diego State. That is going to be here at the Thomas and Mack Center. That is going to be a game. And hopefully Rebel fans show up, show out for that game next Tuesday night at 8 p.m. And then they close the season on the road at Reno, 7.30 p.m. next Saturday. So, again, you've got... Two winnable games. Maybe they can upset San Diego State. Again, the Rebs are playing well. Let's see some of that home court magic coming up next uh, Tuesday night. But, uh, yeah, San Jose State, they cannot fall flat like we've seen them do in years past when they played San Jose State like last year on the road. But they are at home. Needed that victory against Wyoming. All right, so we'll talk to Kevin Kruger this week. Curtis Terry as well. Team just got back from Wyoming just a little while ago. Uh, today, after last night's uh, victory, winning by the score of 75-69. to 69. Um, More college basketball and a lot of good games last night. But one in particular, and it was probably you know better for the Texas Longhorns, but it was not good for Texas Tech as they suffered a loss last night, 81-69 on their home floor. And Texas is one of the most inconsistent teams out there. I mean, they've got talent. Rodney Terry, the former coach at Fresno State, he is coaching the University of Texas. Well, they ended up winning last night in really kind of a a wire-to-wire fashion where they thoroughly dominated. And there was a lot of frustration in this game coming from the Texas Tech side. I know that they were favored last night. They're expecting to win. It's been an uneven season for the Red Raiders as well, too. But uh, last night, midway through the second half, we had uh, an incident. And this is just coming off of the court storming incident, which we've talked so much about last Saturday at Wake Forest with uh, Wake Forest fans storming the court and uh, hurting Kyle Filipowski. Duke will be in action, by the way, tonight against Louisville, and Filipowski is scheduled to start tonight. But anyway, so coming off of that, where that has been nothing but the talk, now in college basketball, uh, the talk today is what transpired last night. So midway through the second half, about 10 and a half minutes to go, Texas's uh, Brock Cunningham delivered a hard check to Darion Williams, knocking him out of bounds. It got really ugly from there. This is a little bit of a long clip, but we want to play it for you. Here's how it sounded last night. Texas at Texas Tech with the game pretty much already in hand, and Cunningham throws the hard block into Darion Williams. McConaughey, who's the minister of culture, but he's probably the chief of staff in that department. And there's Brock again coming right at us. Oh, look out! Coming right at us. And right in front of our table, tempers flare between these two heated rivals. We're not throwing stuff. Can't do that. this out. Now here they come. Watch this. This is just good basketball. And that's that's that should be a foul and maybe a flagrant foul on Brock Cunningham. Watch the hip check right here. Ooh. They'll look at it. 
That should be a flagrant yeah. foul. It's at least a flagrant one on Cunningham. Possibly a flagrant two. Yeah. And and Marcus Gretter. The previous play is under review. Yeah. Two fouls. Number 30 from Texas has committed a flagrant two foul for a severe contact. So he is ejected from the game. We will also have an administrative technical so foul Cunningham. against Texas Tech for the fans throwing debris on the floor. Well, and here in one piece. Fans are being removed from the stands. This was a just called a set. They're gonna they may give it a second one for throwing debris on the floor. And Rodney Terry's holding up two fingers like this, the second time it's happened. And here comes another water bottle. Uh, I think I think Grant McCaslin. And even more. Uh, this is not good. Things are getting out of control. Yeah, this is not good. If I'm Grant McCaslin, I get on the microphone right now. And the entirety of the Texas bench is near mid Everybody listen. Hey, right here. Everybody listen. Everything that gets thrown on the floor, we're going to get a technical foul. Listen to me. It's got to stop. It's got to stop. Nothing else on the floor. Am I clear? Grant McCaslin, the head coach at Texas Tech, uh, pleading with the crowd, hey, saying stop it. And that was an ugly, ugly scene last night. And uh, while officials were reviewing the play when Cunningham uh, body checked Darian Williams, getting a uh, flagrant two foul, then the uh, officials uh, you know, went to the monitor, and then more objects were thrown, including water bottles on the floor, which you heard there. Uh, security could be seen escorting fans out of the arena. There were arrests made in this game. And like we said, Cunningham was ejected out of the game for, for the flagrant two foul. Texas Tech given an administrative technical for the fans' behavior. And, of course, the announcement resulted in more objects being thrown. And that's when uh, head coach Grant McCaslin took the mic uh, to implore the crowd to stop throwing things, and then everything was okay. But, unfortunately, for Texas Tech, uh, the game was over. The game was over early, and Texas just came out on fire. And this is what you get in these big-time rivalry games. Now, remember, Texas is leaving the Big 12. Oklahoma is leaving the Big 12. These two schools are going to the SEC after this season concludes. And they'll finish out the spring sports, obviously. But next year with football and basketball and everything else, they're going to be in the SEC. And these schools are going to end up you know, playing against each other in the, in the final regular season game. You think the Big 12 commissioner is going to show up to that game? Think he's going to come on out and say, Hey, uh, you know, thanks for participating, you know, these last, you know, 20 years in this conference, a uh, good written so to the SEC. So yeah, you, you get fans that are upset with Texas, Oklahoma leaving the conference, but this has just been a rivalry for a long time with Texas and Texas Tech. And the bottom line is Texas showed up last night on the road and they drill pressed the Red Raiders, beat them down. And again, you're talking about two teams that are, on the bubble here for the NCAA tournament. And every game is crucial as we come down to the final regular season games and then head into the the conference tournaments, which will start taking place in a week and a half. So, yeah, ugly scene there last night. 
again, water bottles being thrown, uh, other debris uh, on the floor. And uh, it's just sad that here, two of the last four days, we have been talking about incidents on college campuses, on basketball courts at Wake Forest for court storming, and which now more and more people out there want this ban, don't want it to be part of it anymore. And then we get this occasionally, too, where fans get irate uh, over officials' calls or uh, players' actions, and you're seeing them uh, throw stuff uh, you know, on the court. Again, it, it's really kind of correlated when you think about it because court storming and throwing stuff on the floor – it's an entitlement that fans think that, oh, yeah, you know, uh, we win a big game. It's totally fine. I can go on the floor. Even though if you try to go on the floor during the course of the game, what's going to happen? You're getting tossed. You're getting e- ejected. You're getting arrested more than likely. All right. But at the end of the game, okay, well, yeah, that's okay. All right. Even though we've seen fines, we've seen people get hurt, and we detail that in our terrible Tuesday segment yesterday going, you know, back to the last 20 years or so. Same thing with throwing stuff on the court. Okay. People were arrested in this arena last night. But what would make you feel that you have the right to throw something on the court at a person? And when you're throwing something on the court, you're aiming, you're trying to hit somebody, whether it's a player, whether it's opposing coach, whether it's an official. I mean, again, it's just. There, there, there's no call for it, but there is the mentality of fans when you go to these games. You know, it's not just, hey, let's go to support our team. Let's be there. Hopefully, we can see a great game be part of, uh, you know, a, a winning scenario. Hey, I may see something historic, you know, tonight. Now, you, you don't want to be part of something ugly like this. And it's because the fans feel that they're entitled to do these things, you know? So, Anyway, we're seeing more and more of this. And who knows uh, what is going to happen and what's going to transpire you know, for the next couple of weeks here as the NCAA season winds down. All right. Um, interesting story that I wanted to touch on today, too. And that is from the NFL. And uh, this, is, this is quite interesting. Where the NFL players' surveys are in. And this is basically a report card. Now, this is the second year that the NCAA or that uh, the NFL has uh, done this. All right. Just started last year where they issued out ballots. All right. Pretty detailed ballots to all of the players. Now, last year, more than 1,300 players in the NFL of all 32 teams participated in this. All right. This year, 1,700 players participated and turned in these ballots. Again, it's a report card. It's the second year that the NFL has conducted this survey. So players fill out the surveys on how they are treated, what their facilities are like, um, what kind of coaching they're getting, how is the staff, and what is the environment like. All right. Now, the results that we have here may be somewhat surprising. Do you know that the two-time defending Super Bowl champion, the Kansas City Chiefs, were the second lowest graded team in the NFL? Now, that is kind of interesting when you think about, okay, you've had all the success, and it's just not winning back-to-back Super Bowls the last two seasons, but they've been in the postseason for quite some time. It's a historic, proud franchise, 
We know that the environment at Arrowhead Stadium is fantastic. You have Andy Reid that is coaching there. You have Patrick Mahomes, your MVP. You have Travis Kelsey. And again, this franchise has won four Super Bowls in all and won two of the last, uh, you know, the last two years and what, three out of the last five years. Pretty, pretty impressive, right? All right. So why are the Kansas City Chiefs the second lowest graded team in the NFL? Because their players really don't think much of the organization. Now, the only reason that they were the second lowest team, and this is is, go- is, is pretty crazy, right? Because Andy Reid was got a bunch of number one votes. This Chiefs ranking really stands out, particularly in light the fact that Andy Reid ranked first overall amongst all the 32 teams in the head coaching category, which was new this year. They didn't have that last year. So that heavily weighed in the final grade. But despite Andy Reid being the number one coach in the entire NFL, and obviously his players voted for him in that as well too, right? They finished next to last. 31st out of 32nd. I think that is that is hilarious. Their owner got an F minus. I know. I know. How ridiculous I know. is that? I know. So who do you think? Well, you're looking at the list now. I was going to say, who do you think is dead last in the rankings? It's really not much of a surprise, is it? Is it Pittsburgh? It, it, not Pittsburgh. It is Washington. I can, yeah. It, yeah, it is Washington, right? Yeah. So you had Kansas City at 31, Washington dead last at number 32. Uh, crazy. Now, this uh, survey took place between August and November and was released by the NFL Players Association uh, today. And players were asked to grade their teams on a wide variety of subjects, ranging from the team facilities to the coaching staffs to the owners. And the top two teams overall in the survey may surprise you. Who do you think was number one overall in the survey? I have no idea. No idea. I'm not looking. Okay, take a guess. Now, we're talking about number one for, you would think, the way they're treated, right? Facilities, conditions, maybe coaching. Just, hey, we treat these guys really well. This is, the way I view this, this is like the number one destination for free agency. You would think, okay? Players are going to look at this. Hey, let's see, where do we rank here? Kansas City, yeah, they got a shot to go to the Super Bowl. What? What? 31st. Wait, I better rethink this. Well, why is that? Oh, well, well, the owner doesn't spend a lot of money on upgrading facilities. Oh, some of this stuff is great. We're going to get to here. But where do you think number one is overall? Is it Miami? Is Miami Dolphins. Okay. Because okay. I'm looking at it. I just see A-A-A-A. It, 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 it's Miami. Yeah. Uh, you know who number two is? No. Tell may, me. may surprise you. Tell me. Starts with an M, just like Miami. Minnesota. Minnesota. Last year, Minnesota, Minnesota last year was number one. Oh, were they? Miami was two. This year, Miami's one in Minnesota. Coach Goofball, does that big of a change? Well, I'm not saying. We we have Coach Goofball, right? You have Coach Goofball ready to go because we're going to play Coach Goofball. And it'd be a a pretty good time for him, just a minute. But um, yeah, yeah. 
So Miami 1, Minnesota 2, Chiefs are 31, Washington is 32. Chiefs owner Clark Hunt ranked last out of the 32 team owners. These grades were based on what players perceived as a willingness to invest in the team's facilities. Now the Chiefs ranked 26th in my favorite category. So that would mean I probably do not want to go to the Kansas City Chiefs facility Anytime soon. Do you know what that is? You're talking food and cafeteria. You got baby. that right. Food and cafeteria. You know who was number one in there? Twenty sixth. You know who was one? I don't. But let me count, let me guess. You have the results. I have the results. Okay. Number one in food. Number one in food. Got to be the Raiders. Nope. Got to be up there. No. Yeah, I can see that. Probably Ra- has to be Miami. Raiders are five. Has to be Miami. They're tied with one. So they're, they're, they're 1A. Tell me it's Green Bay, baby. It's not Green Bay. Uh, where Green Bay finishing food? You got that? Sixth. Six? Sixth. See? Sixth. Who's the, who's number one in food? Philly, baby. Philly? Philly. A lot of cheese sticks. That is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. So how about that? Chiefs rate 26 in the food and cafeteria category. 31st in the nutrition dietitian category. 31st in training room, dead last in training staff. Now, the reason why they were dead last in training staff, a lot of the Chiefs players said, we don't have enough staff. There's not enough here. So that's why they were. Now, some teams, this is interesting, some teams actually took this to heart. Because like I said, this is the second annual. So annual means it's going to be doing every year, right? So... Last year, after the surveys came out, some teams actually took it to heart. And I think is, that is good. They didn't say, oh, okay, well, just you know, forget these players. They don't know what they're talking about. No, because players will look at this, and especially if the NFLPA is involved in their leader. Hey, free agency. Let's Well, let me look at that survey. Kansas City, wow. 32nd in training staff? Wow. We got Patrick Mahomes, though. Wait a minute. They're 26 in food. Wrap it up. Philly, Philly's at the top. Come on, I want to go there. You gotta, you gotta worry about the food. That's I'm telling. I'm going where number one is, no matter right. what. So get this. So some teams made changes from last year to this year. This will, this will kill you right here. Do you know what the Arizona Cardinals changed? They had done something in the past, taking you back to Moneyball, right? The movie Moneyball. What did Jermaine Dye complain about in the movie Moneyball? Yes. Remember Jermaine Dye? Yeah. He'd go up there and say, uh, hey, why do I got to pay a dollar for soda? I just came from New York, the Yankees. We don't got to put a dollar in a machine for soda at the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. The Arizona Cardinals were charging players for meals. During the work week, while you show up, okay, we've got this nice buffet for you. Uh, That's going to come off your check. So you know what the Cardinals did? They listened. They stopped charging players for meals. Do you think a team should charge its players for meals in the facility? Think about this. Are they making enough money from ticket sales, concessions, television revenue, merchandising. You're actually charging players for meals. 
Did not do that in Green Bay. Tell you that when I was there. Did not do it. Uh, they changed the floors and the equipment in the weight room, and they added a small family gathering room for game days. So good job for the Cardinals, right? Cincinnati, on the other hand, they were criticized following last year's survey for not providing players three meals a day. So they made a very slight change to that policy, and now you know what the Bengals are doing? They're offering three meals at the facility on Wednesdays. But yet they're still getting an F- minus for treatment of families. Cincinnati. Cincinnati. There you go. Hmm. Wednesdays is a long day because it's your first day back. Okay. You're going to be there until late. Hey, we'll, we'll give you three meals. But not on Thursday. Don't bother coming in on Monday, Tuesday. You're not getting that. Yeah. Here's one for you. The team that made the biggest overall improvement from last year. All right. From last year to this year, drum roll, please. Who do you think it is? Take a wild guess. Huh? The biggest overall improvement was? Denver. Incorrect. I didn't think so. The Jacksonville Jaguars. Because they opened a new training facility and they jumped from 28th to 5th overall. Last year's survey included a complaint that ranked them near the bottom. You know what that complaint was? <laughs> Rats. Rats in the team facility. <laughs> How do you like that? Give me a rat sounder. How about that? They had rats. An NFL franchise in Jacksonville, Florida, had rats in their facility. Woo! Hey, we've got a new facility. So excavation project, come on out and everything. There it is. Oh, those are all gone. We rank up to number five. See, I thought we might get a toilet flush or something like that. You know, rats down a toilet, something, you know. I was trying to find rats for yeah, you. you no, know, I don't like... want to hear a rat. I don't hear rats. Never even liked that, that movie, you know, about rats. Ratatouille? You, uh, no, Is that the one you're talking about? That was a cartoon. Was it, wasn't Ben a movie or something like that? No, it was a song. Michael Jackson. Jackson 5. It's about a rat. I don't know. There was some there was some rat movie. Somebody got attacked by rats years ago. I don't I don't know. Anyway, how about this? The Dallas Cowboys. You know where they were ranked? 30th. Right ahead of the Chiefs. Jerry's World. The Dallas Cowboys. Due to the lack of training staff. Yeah. Interesting stuff right there. Interesting, interesting stuff. All right, uh, we come back. We are going to go down to South Florida. We're going to talk some college basketball. We'll talk some NFL as TJ Reeves will join us, Chuck Esposito, a little bit later on uh, next hour. So hang tight as we continue on. Middle of the work week, hump day Wednesday. All right, let me put some water on your board. More from the master debater. Martin. You'll never know what comes out of this guy's mouth. All right, back at the Westgate Las Vegas on Friday, our Friday home. And, of course, our Thursday and Friday home during March Madness NCAA Tournament. Now we'll be having it in a couple weeks. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com for Hoop Central inside the International Theater. Oh, yes. 4K video wall. All the games. 
where you don't even really have to tilt your head very much, as Jay Cornegay told us, right? All the games start at 9 in the morning, Thursday and Friday, March 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. And of course, we'll be broadcasting this show like we normally do on Thursdays and Friday of the opening round of the NCAA tournament. So get your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Tickets start as low as 25 bucks. All day affair, Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Saturday, round number two. Great atmosphere, as we well know. And again, uh, shout out to our good friends and partners over at the Westgate Las Vegas and the world-famous Superbook. So get your tickets now for Hoops Central. All right. We love college basketball. No one covers it like us, as you know. And uh, it'll all start with the WCC tournament coming next week, followed by the Mountain West Conference, and then the final uh, year of the Pac-12 tournament. And, of course, uh, the Big West tournament, the Dollar Loan Center. will be uh, all eyes, ears, voices on all of the above. And join me now, my good friend, out of uh, Tampa, Florida. We're going to talk some hoop right now. He does college basketball coast-to-coast as well as his duties with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the one and only T.J. Reeves. What's going on, my friend? Always good to be with my Western brother from another mother. You got the Western hoops locked up. And what is this? We suddenly have a relevant situation here in Tampa Bay with a college basketball program. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. So I know we're going to talk about that. Whatever avenue you want to travel, including Buccaneer Free Agency, the Reeves food plan for tonight with the Twins, whatever avenues you like, Doctor, I'm here at your service. I want to talk with you about the South Florida Bulls, who are 21-5. and <laughs> This team is, is ranked 24th in the country, and as I'm calling it, TJ, I am saying this is the most surprising team in all of college basketball right now. They've won 13 in a row, 14 conference wins, all program records, Come on, man. Do you agree with me? This is the most surprising college basketball team in the nation right now because they are in the top 25 for the first time in who knows how long. Ever. Ever. Right? Ever. Ever. And uh, so tell me, am I right about this? And what yes. In part two, what is the vibe like in Tampa, Florida? Because I know that you've been to several of these games. You got it. All right. So amen. It's out of nowhere. That's the three words. Out of nowhere. Pick 10th. First-year coach that nobody honestly down here had heard of because you might have heard of this is a Buccaneer, Tampa Bay Lightning, Tampa Bay Rays area, and people are going, South Florida Bulls, USF Bulls, why why are we talking about them in basketball? But uh, they have made everybody right now sit up and take notice. I'm talking about locally. I'm talking about in the region. I'm talking about back-to-back sellouts. They had not had a hard sellout, Dr., since 2001 when the Florida Gators came to town after having been in the national title game the year before with Billy Donovan. 23 years, doctor, since a hard sellout. So that tells you the struggles they've been through. One NCAA tournament appearance this century. And again, I was involved with this when Seth Greenberg was the coach. I was the radio play-by-play guy. His shows, his TV show, et cetera, 1997-07. We never sniffed, sniffed anything like this. It's been remarkable It is 19 wins in their last 20 games. They have lost one game since early December. One. And they do it a couple of ways. We can get into this. They do it with excellent guard play, which you have to have in March. They take care of the ball. They make free throws. And they keep winning close game after close game. And one thing I keep coming back to is people can knock the quality of the conference. You know, it's not the ACC. It's not the Big Ten or the Big 12. I understand that. 
but you still don't accidentally win 13 in a row. Just like the doctor's days of coaching in the AAU, et cetera, you don't accidentally do what the doctor did and win all these games and all these championships. It's not an accident, doctor. And uh, don't mention, TJ, a national championship in your neck of the woods in Orlando back in the day. Yes. There you go. Well, you were a young pup. Uh, yeah, no, I think this is a great story. It is. And, you know, you're talking about that conference. Let's, I don't want to downplay that conference. Okay. That, that is still a very, very good conference. Uh, you know, with the likes of SMU and a team that went to the final four last year in Florida Atlantic. Yep. Oh, and by the way, where did the University of Houston come from? By the way, that same conference, yep. right? And so did, and so did Cincinnati and so yes. did UCF. They're all out, yes. out in the Big 12 now, but they came out of this league and you, you left off my alma mater, the Memphis Tigers, who were rolling earlier in the year. And then guess who put the whammy on them in mid January on a frozen weeknight in Memphis where the fans couldn't get to the game because of the ice <laughs> right. and sleet on the road. They literally had less than a thousand people at the FedEx forum and USF said, thank you very much. No crowd. Uh, we will go ahead and beat Memphis and really put them in a death spiral. Memphis then goes on to lose three or four more games after that, and it's damaged them greatly. But I saw that Florida Atlantic team last week, a week and a half ago now. They still have all their guys back, Doctor, from the Final Four team, and we were there together in Houston when they were an eyelash away from being in the national title game with John L. Davis and Elijah Martin, the guards, and the big Russian, Victor Golden, in the, in the middle, he's greatly improved. Golden is an NBA prospect, a seven-footer. So Florida Atlantic brings all these guys back. They've been in the top 25, and USF beats them head-to-head. Uh, and then they played Southern Methodist, SMU, this past weekend. Didn't play great in the game, but still won by 10. Had some turnovers, had some problems, but they still won by 10. This is no joke. I mean, they are on a roll. The sad thing is you've got most of the bracketology knocking the fact that uh, this is not the Mountain West. This is not San Diego State when they beat Utah State, as you know, or UNLV when they beat New Mexico, or Colorado State when they beat Boise State. That that mid-major has got better cachet, better metrics. So when these teams in the American Conference are beating each other, it's not registering the same. But still, 19 wins in 20 games is 19 wins in 20 games in high-level Division One basketball, TC. No, no, I love it. I love it. And again, I think that they are a, a rock-solid program. There's no doubt about it. And again, you know, I've always been a, a big fan of the American. And like you said, pick 10th. You know, and again, this is this has been a a doorman complete, program. It's not an right? exaggeration. Complete afterthought. No one was talking about this team, even in November right. when they lost a couple of games. Nobody was talking about this. Right. What we got to do is we got to get you and Numchuck uh, initiated um, and into the SoFlow Rodeo. The SoFlow Rodeo is the student section that has now kind of organically grown to about four thousand literal students at the home games where they've got the sunglasses, they've got the wild-looking shirts, they, they've got the neon. You posted one of the neon pictures of the, uh, right. the jersey they were wearing for the Florida Atlantic game. All the students in those electric shirts uh, with these, like, these laser-light Star Wars things that they're holding up while the game's going on uh, as, as distraction things. we got to get you in the SoFlow Rodeo, Doctor, for a USF home game. It's been wild the last couple of weeks uh, to watch the students just gravitate to this, TC. You know, this is they are the highest-ranked team in the state of Florida. Think about that. 
No, that's true. I mean, we're talking about you know a team that won a national championship before in the Florida Gators. All right, they right. beat Florida State this year, and the yes, they, they crushed them, eighty-eight to seventy-two. And again, that, that game was the first time that people suddenly went, "Hmm, they might have something here." Because right. they went, they beat them on a neutral floor in Miami, right. and they literally made like fourteen three pointers in the game. They made everything. And again, you don't know these names. I realize it's all the way out west, and this is not UConn or Purdue. You know, you don't know. They're not Duke. They're not Kentucky or North Carolina. But the name, Chris Youngblood, he was the player of the year in the Atlantic Sun Conference last year. They went to the NCAA tournament, Kennesaw State, with Amir Abdul-Rahim as the coach. Amir Abdul-Rahim, you know this, doctor, is the younger brother of Sharif Abdul-Rahim, the former All-Star in the NBA. And Sharif Abdul-Rahim now runs the G League for the NBA. This is his younger brother, who's the coach. So Youngblood was his star player at Kennesaw State. He brought him to Tampa. The Bulls have another guard named Selton Miguel, who's a transfer from Kansas State, who's about 6'6", just like the doctor. He can go down low and post you up and score. He can step back and hit the three. And you know what else he does? He defends. So they have got good guards. They've got some size. I am not saying on the galactically famous T.C. Martin show that they are invincible. They are not invincible. But this is going to be a lot of fun if they get a puncher's chance to be even in the first four in Dayton and get a matchup. Are you kidding me in a matchup with like either Gonzaga or Michigan State or somebody like that in the first four, which a lot of the bracketology is talking about? Look out for the South Florida Bulls. I'm just saying. Look so, out. Yeah, let me say this. Okay, first of all, TJ, not 6'6", six, six, never was 6'6", six, 6'2", six, six, <laughs> and you got two of those three categories. You know, I didn't become a defender until I became a coach, okay? But, no, I want no part of defense, okay? I just wanted to shoot the rock. Give me the ball. It's going up, okay? And no one else is touching it. It's going up. All right? That's all the, I'm going to say. It's known as the give and get with the doctor. Give thank, me the ball and get out of the way. Thank exactly. you very much. There you go. All right. Um but here's the thing, okay? This is what I don't understand. This is not like a Sunbelt Conference or the Atlantic right. Sun Conference. Right. No. This is still a conference that is is very, very reputable. That's why I really got to disagree with whoever is saying this. I'm not saying you're saying this or you're just right, repeating right. what pundits are saying. No way is this team in the, in the, the four game, you know, in Dayton. There's no way. If you are a conference champion and let's look at this. They got what three games left in the, in the regular season. They're going to run the table. They should run the table. And even if they don't win the conference, they are. In. If they don't win the conference tournament, I'm with gonna, you. they're in. And say if they win the conference, they're certainly if they win the conference tournament. They certainly are not playing in Dayton, Ohio in those first two days. So let's get this out of the equation. And whoever right. the ham and eggers that are saying that, it's a joke. <laughs> Seriously. You're, well, if you win of, the American Athletic. Most of the bracketology, nah. right, I will say this. Most of the bracketology has them like on USF. Now we're talking about South Florida has them on like the first four outline or even the next four outline. No way. And the belief, I, I don't disagree, but the belief is if they're going to get in, they're going to be against a team like Gonzaga or Michigan State because most bracketology has them and Virginia and like Villanova and a couple of others on the cut line. Yep. So that might be a matchup in Dayton that you might see. And again, I'm telling you, I, saw, I watched a lot of the Michigan State-Ohio State game on Sunday when they fell apart and let Ohio State with an interim coach, if they fired their coach, beat them on their home floor. South Florida can beat Michigan State. Gonzaga is not, as you know, and they're headed to your part of the world for the WCC tournament. They're, not, they're probably not going to be in Dayton, Gonzaga, but if they are, they're on a neutral floor with South Florida. Look out. 
the Bulls can play with them, Doctor. We yeah. shall see. Yeah, no, I think they're. I think the the Bulls can play. No question about. It. I think it's a great story, and we've talked about it. Not much history at all. So let me ask you, why is this year so different? What is the strength of this team? And again, it is hard to turn this around overnight, but literally this team has. What is so different about this team? And again, it's transfer. He has ten new players okay. uh, on this team. Some of them played with him at Kennesaw State. Some of them from elsewhere. I believe I believe it's ten. It's either nine or ten. So they had to get used to playing with each other, like in December. But fundamentally, again, they take care of the ball. They don't turn it over a bunch. They they also uh, make foul shots at the end of close games. They have pulled out. I believe their record right now in this streak. Of uh, of nineteen wins and twenty, their record is something like eight and zero in games of five. Obviously, in games of five points or less, you don't accidentally win the third game, the fourth game, the eighth game if you can't finish games by making free throws, taking care of the ball, defending the other team. They they are together. They are. They believe right now. Belief is a big thing in college sports. And again. Uh, you know, this this is going to be fascinating because they play at Charlotte on Saturday, so they don't play at all in the midweek. This was already part of the schedule. They've been playing for about six straight weeks, midweek, weekend, midweek, weekend. This is the week where they don't have a midweek game by the conference schedule. So they don't play Charlotte till Saturday. And like you said, if they get that game, the last two are with Tulane and Tulsa, who are both bad. So then you are talking about... I am I am almost having an out of body experience doing these interviews because I used to do the games. I never uttered the phrase seventeen and one in conference play. <laughs> it's never happened. I have never uttered the phrase we've won twenty three of twenty four games. Yeah. TC, it's very realistic that that could happen. Yeah, very true. It's it is something special. I mean, there's no question when you get a turnaround like this is fantastic. And you know, for me, when and we talk about this all the time, right? That you have to be uh, you have to have great guard play at the point guard position and the shooting guard position and you've got to be able to hit free throws and be effective from three-point land and they are a decent team i think they're shooting like 36 percent from beyond the three-point arc and as you know south florida has always been dreadful i mean they would be around yep. 250 or 300 in the country in three-point shooting and free throw shooting that isn't the case they've got some shooters that's why they have themselves a shot here that's why they've won 13 yep. in a row because well, of that. To your point, they come out against Florida Atlantic, and this is completely off the charts abnormal, but they made seven of seven to start the game from three-point range. Yeah. All seven, just like the doctor. They were on a heater to start that game. Now, you can't expect that every time out, but they have made a ton of big shots, big threes. They are the number three free-throw shooting team in the American Conference and rising. Right now, like in the last ten games, they are shooting close to 79% from the foul line. Hello. I was there Sunday. They made 14 of the first 16 at the foul line. So they're good at the foul line. And one wild card, one variable is the kid that you tweeted the picture of. That's Kaysen Pryor, who is a transfer a couple of places. He was at Boise State, didn't play a lot. He was in junior college last year and went to the junior college national championship game. And Amir Abdul-Rahim, again, has stayed in touch with him, recruiting him and, uh, and, and convinced him to come play here. That guy reminds you a lot physically looking at him as the Birdman, Chris Anderson from the Miami Heat of the NBA. He looks like him. He's got the long arms. He's got the tattoos, the wild hair. That kid, they feed off of his energy. He can block shots. 
He can he can play defense. Uh, he's got a decent little 10, 15-foot game. And guess what? He's an 85% foul shooter, too, when he goes to the line. So Pryor is kind of the wild card as a big man on this team. So, again, you're giving a lot of love uh, to a team that is all the way across the continent on the west coast of Florida. I'm just giving some bracket advice to people. If they get in and they're in like a 12-5 matchup with a Clemson right. or like a 12-5 matchup with a Wisconsin – Look out for the South Florida Bulls. Yeah, doctor. I'm with you. And again, I, I hope that they put a run together. It's like FAU-esque. I, I really do. All right, TJ Reeves joins us, the former play-by-play man of the South Florida Bulls. And of course, uh, right now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So let's talk some Bucks. Let's transition to that real quick here. We have free agency that is here. Franchise Dag, uh, your boy Todd Bowles has been doing all kinds of interviews. He has a smile yep. on his face. Um, <laughs> and the big question is, is Baker Winning Mayfield... Helps with the demeanor, as you know. Right. You go to the playoffs a couple right. of years, you win a playoff game, everybody's yeah. smiling exactly at the combine. You all know right. that. All right, Baker Mayfield, does he return as a Buccaneer? I say yes, point blank yes. Why does he want to start over in a fifth different place? Cleveland said no thank you and got rid of him. And they Carolina want him too, right? In the middle that, of the season. That's the thing, the Bucks want him back too, right? Yes. And then he goes to the Rams, and they don't want to re-sign him. He comes to Tampa Bay on a one-year prove-it contract and does it. This is a great place to live. No state income tax. Uh, We might have mentioned the weather's tremendous. Uh, And the team had success. Why do you want to go start over somewhere else? And I think the Bucs are prepared to put a massive deal at least for 2024 in front of him. This guy's going to go from making $4 million, much like the galactically famous T.C. Martin show, he's going to make north of like $50 million on the guaranteed money and the signing bonus money that he's going to get for this year probably. So I look for him to re-sign. Everybody's panicking down here that they've not done a deal with Mike Evans as of yet, the phenomenal receiver. Evans, again, wants something like a $30 million a year receiver contract, and he's earned it. Now, the question is, can the Bucks fit both of those guys under the cap? But I mean, like everywhere I go, I go to the grocery store. I got a guy stopping me in the aisle going, what about Mike Evans? I don't know. I'm just trying to get bread. I, 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 I go to the USF game Sunday. I got two people that find me. They're like, are we signing Mike? Are we bringing back 13? I'm like, look, I'm going to put the trust in Jason Light and his salary cap people, the GM of the Bucks, to be able to get both of these deals done. Uh, and I'm not so sure that Baker and Mike aren't in cahoots talking a little bit going, hey, let's run this back after how well they played the second half of the season and see if you can't do it uh, full force in 2024 with another offseason under your belt and see what happens. So we will find out if they can fit both those guys under the cap, TC. All right. Hey, question for you, TJ. Yes, sir. Who gets stopped more, you or TC? No, that was, I was going to ask him that. Who gets stopped more, him or Baker Mayfield? I want to see who's stopping Baker Mayfield in the fruits and vegetables section of the grocery store. <laughs> exactly. Baker, look, Baker's a man of the people, though, too. He has, he has done some tremendous things in this community, like go to the Tampa Bay Lightning hockey game and sit in the stands with the people. And drink some cold ones, uh, and relate to the uh, the Joe Average fan, and people are freaking out and taking pictures of of he and them and put them on social media. So he's done the right things. He's done the smart things. There's no contest, Numchuck, and for the audience, the doctor's the unelected mayor of Vegas. I mean, everywhere we went, the ropes were parting when I was out there. We know that. <laughs> but uh, Baker Mayfield again has a real chance to own this town and this area. It is a Buccaneer town first and foremost, especially off a of playoff season. He's the quarterback. He is the hailed hero right now. And, uh, again, if he signs a lucrative deal that, that stabilizes he will be here for another three years, two, three years, 
I think that's going to be that's going to be a good thing for a lot of different reasons. Uh, not the least of which is he's a leader, which is something you need. And this team followed him down the stretch of the season. Not the biggest guy, but he's tough. He's a leader. Let's see what happens with bringing number six Baker Mayfield back. Does that mean that he? gets to get back in the fold with the progressive insurance commercials. That's what we need, TJ. More Baker with the progressive. Yes. He was uh, he was Patrick Mahomes overexposed before Mahomes with all the commercials. Right. And, but the problem is he didn't live up to it in terms of wins and losses. And uh, we, shall, we shall see if he cashes in here soon. Reminder that the Buccaneers can still sign their own free agents, just as every other team can, all the way up until March the 11th when the mayhem begins. And so let's see if they don't get this done with both Mayfield and Mike Evans. I can see Baker Mayfield in a new progressive ad coming back this year in the 2024 season in a grocery store near you, TJ Reeves. <laughs> I can see it right now. I don't know if he's with it, he and I going avocados, down like the, uh, something, something's going on there. With avocados, going bananas. Down the, pasta, yes. the pasta and red sauce aisle or whatever at the, at the store. That could be. The grocery chain here, I know in the West it's like Safeway. What is it in Vegas? It's the grocery chains while we're free plugging out there. Yeah, I, I mean, again. Safeway, you know, all right, here it's Publix, yeah, it's where Vons. shopping is a pleasure, we like, we I'm like, told. We like Vons here. We like Vons. All right, Vons. Else, well, else. but here... In Florida, it's Publix where allegedly shopping is a pleasure, free plug, and they're a big Buccaneer sponsor as well. Unless, of course, you get to the checkout line and you realize you played, you paid the same amount as an Oldsmobile for your groceries. But <laughs> nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, yes, perhaps a grocery endorsement coming up for Baker Mayfield. All right, brother, appreciate uh, the info. Uh, green and gold, bring some green and gold South Florida swag. You're always bringing a swag. We'll take some bull swag. We gotta get you some SoFlow Rodeo, yeah. the student section, the SoFlow Rodeo. We gotta get you some of that. Let's see what the Bulls have in store here in the next couple of weeks. Do you know my daughter, Jules would go crazy for a neon green. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, there you go. She'd go crazy for that. TJ, appreciate the, the time as always and uh, we will see you when you get to Vegas uh, here in the next couple of weeks and uh, maybe even talk uh, before that, my friend. Always good to be with the doctor. You boys behave in the desert. There it is. Uh, check out TJ Reeves. College basketball, coast to coast. Tune in. And also the Bet U.S. College Basketball Show as well. As uh, he'll be coming to town. Him and I will be broadcasting the Mountain West Conference Championship game coming up in a couple Saturdays. Looking forward to that. All right. When we return, Kevin Kruger will join us. Speaking of the Mountain West Conference, the Rebels victorious again. The Rebels have won eight out of nine. KK coming up next along with Chuck Esposito in hour number two.